Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, August 4th, 527 a.m. Central Time. Grain markets are higher across the board. Believe it or not, we had some fresh news out of the Black Sea overnight again. Uh, why don't we start there? A Russian naval ship was damaged following a drone attack overnight. The attack took place near the Russian port of Novorossiysk. Good try. Uh, yes, <laughs> Russia, of course, has accused Ukraine of the attack and said that it has destroyed two Ukrainian sea drones. Ship movement at the port was briefly suspended, but has now resumed. One source said that oil and grain loadings continued shortly after the attack. Uh, New York Times just reported here a few minutes ago that Ukraine is, in fact, taking responsibility for this. So, Brian, we've got another um, this is uh, like Groundhog Day. We've got another early morning Black Sea grain rally. Does it stick this time around? You know, um, I think there's maybe a little bit better chance of it sticking uh, better than the one that we had earlier in the week, just because this is now a Russian port. So it's a little bit different. Yes. Uh, and I think where we are price wise we've gone lower since the last one so like on wednesday for the uh, the premium stuff we talked about charts and we showed the the kc wheat and really these lows that we made yesterday are kind of at the bottom barrel of that sideways trading range where we've been in for months and months so it just seems like a, a, a better area to see better buying come out of this this is kind of like what I, I thought maybe one risk was throughout all of this was that if, if this thing eventually got to the Russian ports, Russia being the world's top wheat exporter, if, if the wheat exports out of Russia are disrupted in any way, shape or form, or if that's the perception that's very friendly, the wheat market. I don't think the trade is taking that many steps forward yet. I mean, we're up. 10 cents in Kansas City, we're up 17 in Chicago. If, if the trade really thought there was going to be some sort of big disruption, you'd see much larger gains uh, than that. But uh, we're not there quite yet. I'll be curious to see how we close today. If we close higher today, that would be impressive to me. Uh, we had a drought monitor out yesterday. Yep. So USDA released their weekly drought monitor data yesterday. Despite above normal temperatures dominating the Corn Belt this week, many areas across the region saw drought conditions improve. The northern portion of the region, including Wisconsin, Michigan, and areas of eastern Minnesota, received 200 to 300% of normal rainfall this week. Portions of northern Illinois and northern Indiana into northern Ohio also received above normal rainfall. Spotty precipitation caused severe and extreme drought to expand in southern and northern Minnesota, eastern Iowa, and portions of northern and southeast Missouri. So when we look at the percentage of areas affected by drought, uh, corn country 57%, soybeans 51%, winter wheat 49%, spring wheat 44%, and cattle country 37%. The drought's still kind of sticky in terms of like the areas experiencing drought. Like corn's been hanging in the mid to upper 50s, I guess. And, and the drought monitor still doesn't look great. Uh, Brian, I saw there were some yield estimates starting to come out this week. I think Stone had the corn yield nationally at like 177, beans at 50 and a half. You're going to start to see more of, of that. Uh, any yield thoughts as it relates to drought or just in general? Yeah, you know, I was uh, somewhat surprised to see the uh, the stone number for corn uh, be so close to where the USDA already is. That's only yeah. half bushel below USDA. And if record that, yield still, if that uh, came to fruition, I mean, this market is not done going down. Um, and I, I think 
when you have slow news days like we had uh, earlier in the week and, and yesterday, um, because of the perception of the corn yield versus the soybean yield, I think you're going to continue to see days similar where you see a little bit of buying in, in beans and then some selling in corn and wheat. But uh, yeah, those drought monitors look pretty close. Uh, there's you know some slight improvements, but you really have to like squint your eyes and look at it to see the, the change week to week. Still doesn't look very good. Let's get to some current weather. Rain moved over parts of Kansas, Nebraska, North Dakota, and South Dakota overnight. An additional system moved over parts of Missouri and Tennessee. The forecast remains wet and non-threatening this morning. The vast majority of the U.S. Corn Belt is expected is, is expected to see at least some rainfall over the next five days. The 10-day Euro and GFS maps are still wet, while temperatures are expected to remain mostly moderate throughout the Corn Belt. The forecast is non-threatening. If you want to be nice about it, it's outright bearish. If you want to be mean about it, I guess. Is is, is that your thought, Brian? Yeah, the forecast uh, is bearish. And um, I think <clears throat> for soybeans, we're kind of seeing the forecast versus uh, this kind of string of Chinese buying that we've been getting on beans, you know, a couple boatloads a day. Uh, so there was a period earlier in the year where it was like, hey, we're buying, and then they just disappeared after canceling for a little while. Yeah. There was no China anything. And now the last week, week and a half, they've been in the in the wires every morning or close to it buying. So I think that's the, the battle that we're in right now in the soybean market is that demand versus the, the forecast. Also, keep in mind, we've already taken a lot off new crop soybean futures, a lot of it on weather, I think. I mean, we're, what, a dollar off the highs in, in new mm -hmm. crop bean futures. So they've erased some weather premiums. Speaking of the Chinese buying, let's jump to that. USDA reported a flash sale of U.S. soybeans to China on Thursday. U.S. exporters sold 134,000 metric tons of soybeans to China for delivery during the next marketing year. Since the beginning of the year, exporters have sold 950,000 metric tons of soybeans to China through six flash sales. Okay, so this is normal stuff. Like, you need to see this just to uh hit anything that would resemble usda's export target like you need to see this stuff occur this time of year correct yes uh we have been running so far behind the year ago pace for example um and so it's great to see china buying right now but then we think back like china was buying this time last year or they mm -hmm. buying at the same speed as last year and if they're not buying more than they were at this time last year our deficit is still growing year over year so we need to see this buying I'm glad that we're we're seeing it, but we're still running way behind. All right, let's jump to the weekly report and we'll get into some numbers here. U.S. corn export sales significantly declined last week. Net corn sales of 107,500 metric tons for the current marketing year were down 66% from the previous week and from the prior four-week average. Corn net sales for the next marketing year were reported at 348,900 metric tons with the largest buyer, with the largest buyers being Honduras, Mexico, and Canada. Net soybean sales of 90,600 metric tons for the current marketing year were down 54% from the previous week and 16% from the prior prior four-week average. Soybean sales for the next marketing year, however, took a big jump this past week due to flash sales to unknown destinations in China. Sales were reported at 2.6 million metric tons. Net wheat sales for the next marketing year were also hefty at 421,300 metric tons. Those were up 81% from the previous week and 40% from the prior four-week average. Okay, I'll say something nice about demand here. The wheat sales uh, were really good. China was the largest wheat buyer, I think, because they've got quality issues in China. They had like some really 
heavy rains. And also new crop soybean sales were fantastic. Uh, 2.6 million. China accounted for 1.6 million out of that total. So the deficit versus last year in, ter- in terms of new crop soybean sales has now fallen to 47%. It was like 65% just two weeks ago. So it's a 7.2 million metric ton deficit versus last year where it had been like nine and a half. This is Im- improvement, right, Brian? Yeah, I mean, not too long ago, it was about a 10 million ton deficit yeah. for a year ago. So we are kind of slowly bridging that gap. Um, the wheat sales were great to see. And, um, you know, I think now the problem is, is just corn. Uh, and I think we could kind of use how the bean sales have evolved. Uh, you know, we had a very large Brazil crop. So it just took China longer to start buying U.S. beans and typical that that cycle got stretched out a little bit because of the size of the Brazil crop. So I think you're probably likely to see something similar in corn where China shows up. It's just not going to be on the same timeline that uh, that we've been thinking a little bit drawn out cycle because of the size of the Safrina corn crop. Our deficit in new crop corn versus a year ago is 2.6 million metric tons, which is a lot. But I mean, if if China in particular decided that they want to start buying, they could uh, cover that deficit in like two weeks. I mean, it could it could happen. It's not a prediction, um, but it's it's possible. It's not a huge number that that you would have to make up necessarily. Um, our secretary of state was talking yesterday about Russia. He sure was. According to the secretary of state, Antony Blinken, if the Black Sea grain deal is restored, the U.S. will make sure everyone, including Russia, can export food products. Russian uh, food exports have increased since the country's invasion of Ukraine, thanks in part to the help of the U.S. Russia's deputy U.N. ambassador claims Western countries are unwilling to help fulfill the terms of the deal. The EU is now warning poor nations that Russia is offering cheap grain to foster new reliance by worsening economic vulnerabilities and food insecurity worldwide. This looks like just talk to me. I mean, he's got to talk about it because he's being asked about it, but they're not going to let Russia back into SWIFT. And I think that's like the whole deal, right? Yeah. And I saw some people commenting on this. Does this mean the opposite where if if uh, the grain deal is not extended, um, then do we not allow exports out of Russia? Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but I sure as heck don't think that Russia is going to jump into the grain deal after they just had a port attack. No, it does not look that way. Um, Let's get to Warren Buffett. Why not? So according to Warren Buffett, people should not worry about Fitch ratings downgrading the U.S. After the downgrade, the markets reacted moderately, uh, but long maturity treasuries are set for their worst week of the year this week. Buffett is instead focused on short maturity treasuries, which have seen which have seen strong demand as a rise in interest rates has pushed yields to their highest levels in more than a decade. Opposing Buffett is well-known investor Bill Ackman, who has a sizable short position in 30-year treasuries. This is like your grandfather telling you everything's going to be okay. I mean, the the oracle says it's going to be okay. He's uh, he's no dummy, so he's going to buy whatever treasury he's going to buy, and he's going to hold it to maturity. He doesn't care what the bond market does, would be my guess. Bill Ackman, on the other hand, is uh, more so speculating, I would guess, if he's short 30-year treasuries and probably making money. Um, I don't think Buffett probably really cares a whole lot, but this is a uh, uh, sign of confidence, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, like you said, Grandpa saying everything's going to be okay, and um, you know, Ackman is a, a speculative investor, and he probably takes a lot more uh, shorter-term approaches. I think Buffett is big picture, long-term, uh, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to really think too much about what either of those guys say, to be honest with you. 
I think I like to listen to what Buffett says. I think he's I think he's worth listening to. I think if there's like one guy that's worth listening to about some things, at least it may be him. Uh, cattle were higher yesterday. Yeah, they sure were. They regained basically what they lost on Wednesday. Live cattle futures gained an average of 76 cents. Feeder cattle futures closed an average of a buck 35 higher. Cash cattle trade still hasn't taken off this week. The Packers are trying their darndest to get some more money out of the feeders. Um, real quick note on the Packers. They have seen uh, their margins decline significantly over the past year. In the past year, they've fallen 146%, and right now they're in the red. So they're try trying Great. their darndest, yeah, uh, to get back in the black. Um, but on to box beef, uh, it had a mixed day. Choice ended the day at 302.01. That was down to buck 17. Select ended the day at 278.31. That was up 84 cents. Packers are going to be just fine. It's about time people in the cattle business made some money. Uh, Brian, what's your read on the cattle charts? Very quickly. Um, you know, we, we went down, we held support on this most recent dip. You know, we had that little reversal. We talked about how we've had several of those. It's led to a couple day correction, had test support, and then away we go. So uh, <clears throat> until proven otherwise, it looks like that was another one of those events here recently. Outside markets this morning, uh, U.S. dollars about flat. Stocks are up just a little bit. The S&P's up 13. The Dow's up 40. Precious metals a little bit lower. Crude oil is up 43 cents at 81.98 in the September WTI. Have a great weekend, guys. Thank you for joining me. Everybody, we'll talk to you on Monday.